Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I'm so honored uh, to finish out this series this morning. And if it's your first time, I just want to invite you to return for uh, another week. Don't base it off of me. I, get, I, I love the Lord and he speaks to me, but I have had the honor of hearing um, my awesome husband and my pastor preach for 24 years, and he is phenomenal, and I learn something every time. So please come back if this is your first time and make sure you get a word from him, so. Awesome, well how many of you guys have enjoyed this series? It's been so good. We've had Pastor Josh has shared, Pastor Brooke has shared, Chris Jones shared a powerful message, and I'm just so excited to close it out. And uh, I'm not sure if they gave me the last week in case I bombed. They should be like, let's just wrap it up, you know? So maybe that's why they gave me the last week. I'm, I'm fine with it, I'm fine with it. But anyways, I'm so honored to be here today. And um, if you're taking notes or if you wanna pull open your notes on the app, today I'm gonna uh, be speaking on championing chaos. Everybody say championing, championing. It's hard, it's hard, I made it up. Championing chaos, say it. All right, it is so important for us as Christians to walk in authority in our situations. And I think sometimes we let ourselves be subjected to what's happening around us instead of taking authority where we are. And so one of the many reasons that Christians struggle is because they don't know how to manage chaos. And um, you know, for the new believer, they think, well, I won't have any trials. My life was bad and now I'm a Christian and everything's gonna be unicorns and rainbows from here on out. But we know that that's not true. And for a young believer, they think, that God is causing the trial, right? I did something wrong, God is punishing me. But we know that that's not true. And for an established believer, a lot of times they blame, they blame everything on the devil. You know, they didn't get a good parking spot, it's because the devil was, you know, it, you know. But we also know that that's not true. And so it's so important to go back to the word and see what it says. And I love what Pastor Josh always says. Uh, he jokes around that this is the plaque you don't see at Hobby Lobby, but maybe it should be there because it's in the word. And it says in John 16:33, in this word, world, you will have trouble. Everybody say, ouch, ouch. We will have trouble. That's a promise that's not on a plaque, but it doesn't stop there. It says, but take heart. I have overcome the world, amen? And so, can you imagine facing trials in life without the hope of Jesus and without the Holy Spirit to guide you? No wonder our world is falling apart. There's chaos every time you turn on the news. There's horrible things every single day. You're getting Amber Alerts on your phone constantly that somebody's being abducted. It's just bombarding us all the time. And how are these people surviving? No wonder they are drowning. And we have the hope of Jesus, so we are able to rise above our circumstances and we are able to set uh, on, a, on a good foundation and, and listen to the truth and, and focus on the word of God. So let's look at a couple, uh, briefly, a couple of, of trials that we see in the Bible. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they didn't get out of going into the fire. They were just met in the fire. And then we see Daniel, who, because he would not stop praying, they set up a trap for him. They're like, we know how, we'll get him. So he wouldn't stop praying and he didn't get out of the lion's den. He was safe inside the lion's den. 
And then we see the, the John the disciple who they tried multiple times to kill him. And it says uh, many theologians believe that while he was in a boiling pot of oil, he was preaching the gospel and he still did not die. So then they were like, well, we just got to get rid of this guy. He won't stop talking even if he's bo being boiled alive. So let's just send him to this, uh, this island where nobody's there. And they send him to, Pasmo to Patmos. And then he got the best revelation of Jesus that we see in the book of Revelation. And so even in all of his trials, God was with him. They could not take him out. And so I want to remind you today, no matter what season you're going in, you might have just come out of a season and we are cheering you on. You might be in the middle of one. You might be on the cusp of, of walking into one. But I want to remind you today that your chaos, your situation is not your identity. You have the identity as a son and daughter of the Most High, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who established the universe and holds the planets in his hand. That is your identity. That is what you need to remember and that is what you need to stand on. And we know that the word promises that Jesus will be with us even until the end of the age. So it doesn't matter if you're on your best day or on your worst day, God is gonna be with you through all of it. And it is a must, a must, a must for us as Christians to remember that Jesus already won. He does not have to die on the cross again. It is finished. That is why when, so, you know, some of the last words of Jesus, he said, it is finished. Once and for all, it has been done. So when I feel overwhelmed, I remind myself of this. Several years ago, I can't remember if it was a worship song or I was listening to a message from somebody, but uh, it, this revelation came to me and it was this, that Jesus didn't fall off of the throne. There is nothing that this world can experience. There is nothing that you can walk through that Jesus in his authority is like, whoa, whoa, I can't handle this. I'm getting a little shaky. He is seated in heavenly places, interceding on our behalf to the Father, and he's already won. So we continually walk in a place of victory. We don't have to uh, be subjected to our failures. We don't have to be subjected to the things of this world. So it is important to remind yourself when you're struggling, that Jesus didn't fall off the throne. He is still victorious. He's seated in heavenly places. And we know that in Romans 8, 28, it's one of the most well-known verses. And it says that he works how many things? All things. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So if you're in the middle of chaos, just take a deep breath. We're here for you, you're gonna be okay, and God's gonna work all things together, amen? So, whenever it is that you're facing hard times, and it's not if, right, it's when. It's when, because the Bible says, you will have trouble, unfortunately. So, it's not, it, uh, not if, but when. We face hard times, and that hard time might be a week, that hard time might be a year, however long it is, it's important to know that we can champion whatever chaos we're going through. And so those are, that's what I'm gonna speak on today. There's gonna be three points. You know, I was trying for four. You know, I was like, maybe four is better than three. And uh, Josh like, don't worry about it. Just, I was like, okay, I'll just do three. So anyways, the first one is our words. Everybody say words. words. So by a show of hands so that none of us feel horrible, and I am going to include myself in this, how many of you guys have been guilty of saying these things? Here we go. You're driving me crazy. Uh, okay. What about, I can't take any more. What about, you're killing me. What about, I can't do this. Or my life is miserable. My life is horrible. Things will never get better. Oof. And maybe telling somebody else, maybe one of your kids, you'll never learn, right? These are the things that we say. 
And when we say them, I think we don't really mean them because if we really took the word seriously, which I hope we are, and we know that in Proverbs 18, 21, it says that we have the power of life and death in our tongues. And when we say those things, which side are we partnering with? Death. And so we need to choose that the things that we speak, the way that we speak into our circumstances is giving life. And what's kind of scary too is if we have the power of life and death in our tongue, it doesn't just, you know, we say it and we don't think about it. We use our words flippantly, but we start to reap those consequences, right? So whenever we say things uh, like you're never gonna learn or why are you being a baby or will you ever stop crying or I'm never gonna sleep through the night again, unfortunately what we're doing is we're sowing seeds of death into our situation. And, you know, we've been kind of going through this lately, our youngest son. I know you guys think, wow, four kids, they really know what we're doing. We don't. We're taking it one day at a time. Uh, and our, four, our youngest son, uh, he has some medical diagnoses that have made his life just a little bit uh, different from the, our other three. And so I'm just constantly in my head, like, am I being too hard? Am I not being hard enough? Is this because he has a, he has a bad attitude or is this because of his diagnosis? And I'm just constantly stuck in my head. How many of y'all know what that's like? And, you know, we, were, we put him in counseling, which is awesome. I'm not speaking against that, but we, I thought, this is it. We're gonna put him in counseling and we're gonna see great results. Well, not, not right away. Not right away. And so I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe it's this. Maybe we'll limit how much time he's on, on his uh, electronic devices because that's, you know, maybe that's not good for him. So we try that and then he's still struggling. And there was a, maybe about two weeks ago, I was praying and I was like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I cannot fix this. None of these solutions are working. And I really felt like the Lord just instantly just speak to me in his kindness, because he's always kind in his correction, amen? He's, he, this is about what I felt like he told me. He said, what if you could bring forth the change in him by what you speak over him? And I was like, whoo, because let me tell you, when we're doing online school and he's zoning off, I'm like, come back to earth, you know? And it's hard, it's hard to say, stop crying. Why are you acting like you're four? And then I think of all the things that I've said and I'm like, oh Lord. So I had a powwow, he was in the bathroom and I, all the family just happened to be in the living room, which doesn't always happen once you have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. They come out when there's food and then they you know, go back into their cave. But we were all in the living room and I said, guys, I need to tell you what the Lord told me and we need to do this together. We need to speak life over him together. And let me tell you something, he has had a big turnaround in the last two weeks. It has been such a blessing because we, because we have decided to speak life over him instead of in, in our flesh speaking what we're annoyed by. And so, you know, the word says in, in um, Luke 6 and 45, it says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And what you say flows from what's in your heart. Ouch! So when I'm saying things out of my flesh, that's in my heart? that's a tough pill to swallow. I don't know about y'all, but we speak words that are coming from somewhere, right? They're not just like all of a sudden floating into our brain and coming out of our mouth. It's been stored up in there somewhere. 
And so we have to be intentional with our words, even if our words that are in our heart, we know that they don't submit to the, the truth, that they don't line up with the word of Christ. It is our job as Christians to put, a, put our hand over our mouth and say, no, I'm not going to speak that death. I will speak life and, you know, catch your tongue. And, you know, I want to encourage you in this. This is not in my notes. But if, if somebody is starting to say something and they say, oh, nope, I shouldn't say it, don't tell them to say it. You let, them, you let them have that. You let them listen to the Holy Spirit. We do that, right? Like, oh, I won't say it. We're like, say it. Say it. No. Uh, you let them answer to the Holy Spirit because you don't need to be partaking in that. So, sorry, I lost my spot here. So, also, if what you're believing, if you really are believing what you're saying, we must speak from an, ident an identity in the truth, right? We have to come back to the fact that we're victorious. We have to come back to the fact that we are overcomers. That's what the word says, that we are overcomers. So we have to speak the truth over our situations. I loved uh, what the prophet Ron Campbell said a couple, uh, a week, was it a week ago yesterday? Gosh, October has just gone like this. Um, but he said, we must see things in the spirit and speak them into existence. So if you are experiencing lack, if you are experiencing disease or sickness, if you're experiencing depression or addiction, you have to see things how they are in heaven where there is no disease, no lack, no depression, no anxiety, and you need to grab a hold of it and you need to speak it into reality. And you know, one of the things that we've, as you know, as a church, we're turning 11 this month, which is awesome. Um, I did my little 10 year dance. We need to make that a meme, put it put up on our birth. Anyway, um, I lost my train of thought because I started dancing. Ron Campbell said, hold on, it'll come back to me, it'll come back to me. Oh, declarations, okay. It came back, see, I said it'll come back to me and then it came back, look at that. Spoke life, anyway. Um, as a church for almost 11 years, we haven't done the declarations the entire time, but that is one of the things that we've had the most questions about. And people are like, why do you do that? What is that? Are you a prosperity gospel? Are you this, that, the other? Well, no, but we believe the word says that we have the power of life and death. And so if we are gonna agree with heaven, even though we don't see it, or are we just gonna say what we see and expect things to change? I'm gonna partner with heaven and say what heaven says, and then I will see change, amen? And of course, we know that there's a balance to this. Uh, we, the church that I grew up in for most of my life, you couldn't say that you were sick. If you said, oh, I've been sick, they're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You are blessed and highly favored. You are healed by the Most High. Yes, that's true. But if you've got a tumor hanging off your arm the size of a football, and they tell you you don't have a tumor, well, they're not speaking truth either because obviously there is a tumor there. And those are the kind of things that the world looks at us and they're like, they're a little cuckoo because we all can see there's a tumor on the arm. But what we do say is, yes, there is a football-sized tumor on my arm, but I believe what the word says that I am healed. I believe the word says that Jesus already paid for this. And so I will continue to declare that until I see it on earth as it is in heaven, amen? So, so we just have to be careful with the way we, we say things. We have authority with our words, amen? And, it's, uh, and here's something that's crazy. We know um, that biblical principles do not cease to exist by who performs them. Let me explain that to you in case you're kind of confused. Oprah Winfrey is a very prosperous and rich woman. 
the reason that she is able to be rich and be blessed is because she does a lot of good by giving to orphanages and by supporting things like this. So she has gotten to the principle of re sowing and reaping, even if her life is not devoted to Jesus. We see this all the time. And so the world is tapping into Christian and biblical truths more than we are. And we're wondering, why are they blessed? Why are they getting the promotion? Well, how are you partnering with the truth? Because they're going to partner with it, whether they believe what they're doing or not. And uh, Pastor Josh and I had a conversation about this, uh, actually with our daughter Mariah, who's, who's at, been at Christ for the Nations this semester and just learning a lot. And it's just been so cool to ask her what she's learning. Um, but we were talking about in the scripture where it says, as judgment, when they were praying to false gods or putting their hopes and dreams or whatever in something, it said that Jesus would actually give them over to that deception and answer the prayer in a sense of they thought that it was this other God performing it. And I was like, I don't... Mm, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like, I don't think I like that. You know, and we were having a conversation about it and it was like, it's, it's, it's Jesus in his grace that allows them to, to think that that's what it is. And eventually it's going to fall. It's going to fail because we know that it's not that. So eventually they're going to have to come back around and realize, oh, okay, this was not working. Um, but the world is doing it all around us. There's, there's this thing called manifesting. I don't know if you've heard of it. There's books about it. There's people that do it. You know, I will make $100,000 by next year. I will make 100000 And they go about and they are, what are they doing? They're speaking something into existence. And it doesn't even matter if they're Christian. It doesn't even matter if they know what they're doing. They're tapping into a biblical principle that is true. So how much more as Christians, when we actually know what it is and believe the word of God, how much more responsible should we be for what we're saying and how we're speaking into situations, amen? So it's so important, so important that we speak life over every situation. And uh, in Psalm 19 and verse 14, it says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. So the words of my mouth, what we're saying, and the meditation of my heart, which leads us to the second point, which is prayer. We should pray about our situation more than we talk about it. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm guilty of this too. We're frustrated, we're going through something. I'm calling Josh or I'm calling one of the ladies from the church and I'm like, this is what's happening. I'm, I'm stressed out, this is what I'm going through. What should I do? And I, and I haven't taken a moment to pray about it yet. And it is so important that we take our problems, we take our issues to the one who can actually make a difference. Because we're, we, you know, we love community, we love supporting each other, but in all reality, if, you, if your finances are, are destitute and you keep going to different people, yeah, they might help you out with here and there, but nothing's gonna change in, until you take it to the one who has all authority and all, all power, right? So there's a difference. Uh, we were at a conference this past weekend uh, Pastor Josh and I and Pastor Brooke, um, and Gerald Brooks is the one who puts it on. It's such a blessing to be able to go to that. Um, and he said this past weekend, and it hit me right away. It said, there's a difference between a prayer list and a prayer life. And I thought, wow, that is so true. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, um, not sometimes, often, okay? I am not somebody who can pray, like focus prayer for 20 minutes, an hour, but I find myself throughout the day 
being like, oh, Lord, and do this, and Lord, do this. You know, it's almost like I'm in my prayers, like a conversation with the Lord. And, and um, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth, he said one time, he said, rarely do I pray for 20 minutes, but rarely do I go 20 minutes without praying. And so um, we, know, we know in the word um, that it says to pray without ceasing. And you're like, well, how does that, how does that happen? How do, I, how do I get into that? But did you know, I looked this up because I was, you know, getting everything together for this sermon. And I thought, how many thoughts does a typical person have in a day? Now, of course, this could change because we know that, um, you know, women's minds are kind of like spaghetti, right? We always do this in premarital counseling and men's minds are more like waffles. They have compartments that they, you know, that they think about things only when they're in that compartment and uh, they can check into their nothing box where they just stare off and enjoy the nothing. And we're like, are you breathing? Are you okay? <laughs> or are you there? Anyway, um, but it is said that the average person has 60,000 thoughts in a day. And some of that you're sleeping, right? So I did a little math, I like math. So if you're awake for 18 hours, some people you might be awake for even less, that's 3,333 thoughts in an hour. And let me break it down even more. That's 55 thoughts per minute. That is almost for every second, there's a thought that is in your mind. And if so much of our time is spent in our thought life, because hopefully, hopefully you're not saying all those thoughts out loud because we all know that those are not always good. So hopefully you're not saying them all out loud. But if so much of our time is spent in our thought life, we need to turn those thoughts into prayers. We need to turn that time into communion with the Lord. We need to take that and say, ah, this is what it means when the, when the word says to pray without ceasing. This is what I'm doing. I'm taking authority over the thoughts that come into mind, into my mind. I'm submitting them to the authority of Jesus. I'm taking them captive. I'm like, is this a good thought? Is this a bad thought? Where do I put this thought? Should this thought be in my head? What should I do with this? And we need to turn that into um, praying without ceasing. Recently, I was talking to somebody. They called me. They're like, Pastor Leslie, I'm struggling. This is the situation. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm really stuck. And I really just feel like the Lord told me just to remind them that everything was okay. And at the moment, they were putting all of their thoughts and all their focus on this one situation, on this one problem. And it was beginning to spiral and take control. And they couldn't get out of that spiral of that thought. And it was like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this is how it turns out? What if this? What if? And they're trapped in that one thought. And that is when we get trapped in one thought and we focus on the one piece of the puzzle that at the moment really feels important. I'm not belittling the thought, but we focus on one piece of the puzzle and Jesus is seeing the entire picture. So he's saying, don't worry about that. It's gonna be okay. But we get stuck in that thought pattern and we spiral all the way down and we get allow it to cause us to have anxiety and, and we allow it to, to trap us. But it's important that we take a step back that we breathe, that we ask the Lord, Lord, show me how this affects the next step. Help me to not just be focused so much on this situation that I lose to see what you're doing in a, in a year from now or, or what you're doing down the road. And um, one thing too that I think that we can be guilty of, especially I know for myself as a mom, is we worry about things. How many of y'all can, can admit you're a worrier? It's okay, we're all in good company here. I come from a, a line of worriers. <laughs> but I'm taking authority over it, amen? Um, so when we get stuck in these thought patterns and when we start to spiral down and it's all that's in our mind, even if you know, every other second we're like, and Lord help me, but then we spiral again, worrying is not praying. 
we have to declare over our situation, not just think on them and worry about them and let the situation dictate our thoughts. We have to pray about them, whether that's out loud with authority or whether that's in our thought life, taking it captive and putting it up to the word of God and saying, well, God, what do you say about this? We cannot just worry, 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 and then think that we've prayed about something because that's not the same thing. And in Philippians um, chapter four, six through eight, this, it says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. And that is where a lot of people stop. You know, they stop right there. They're like, oh yes, okay. I will pray, I will petition, I will have thanksgiving, I'll present my request, and then the peace is gonna come. But there's more to that. How many of y'all know you should never read a scripture, right? You should always read what it's all saying, what it's all talking about. That's how the world gets it wrong. They take one scripture and they say, the word says this. Like, yeah, go back and go back and see what it says before that and after that. So it keeps going and it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, everybody say true. Whatever is honorable, say honorable. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. So the word of God is literally telling us, wait a second. We're not trying to be anxious here. We're trying to think on these things. We're thinking on what is true. What is true? That Jesus is victorious, that he's sitting on the throne, that we have authority as heirs with Jesus, co-heirs with Jesus. Think on things that are honorable. Think on things that are right, things that are pure. If you're struggling to keep your mind pure, think on things that are pure. Pray over your mind that it would experience purity. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. So we can't just pray. We have to pray. But then we have to control the things that are in our mind. And we have to submit it to this true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Those are the things that we should be thinking on. And so it's important, I kind of already said this a second ago, but it's important to pull back in our prayers, pull back in our anxiety and really refocus and ask yourself, will this situation that I am completely and utterly stressed about, will it even matter in five years? Will I even remember this? I know there's so many situations where we're like so confused and so broken and so in over our heads and it never causes, it doesn't determine a day of your life. And we give so much of our, our time and our energy and our thoughts into something. And what we're doing is we're allowing unimportant things to rob us of our peace. And it is so important that we always, when we feel overwhelmed, whether that's calling somebody or immediately going into prayer saying, Lord, I don't know what's happening. I only see what's right before me, but I know that you work all things together. I know you know tomorrow how this is gonna play out. I know that you have a better understanding than I have, and I'm asking that you would give me eyes to see the way that you see, and that I would begin to operate out of victory in this situation. And you know, again, we see in the Lord's Prayer that it says on earth as it is in heaven, and that's kind of what I was speaking of earlier too, uh, when the prophet Ron Campbell said, we have to see things as though they are in heaven and bring them down on the earth. So it, it's so important to how we speak to our situations and that we are praying about our situations more than we are thinking about them or talking to other people about them, amen? All right, and the last point this morning is community. Everybody say community. community. So we all know this, Pastor Josh says this frequently, the first thing in the word of God, in the Bible, 
that, that God said was not good was that man was alone. And I think a lot of times people use that like at marriage conferences or in a wedding, but it also says in the Bible that it's okay to not be married and that you have the ability to not be double-minded on your situation. So I'm not, I'm not taking it down to that route, okay? So don't worry, it's not about marriage. But it, this is why it's so important to overflow that one of our core values is family because we follow Jesus together. together. Amen, you know it, good job. If you didn't know it, it's together, okay? We follow Jesus. Together. Look at you, you know it, that's so good. Um, it is so important that we are doing life with people that are on the same journey and the same path as we are. Pastor Josh and I had the hardest time in our marriage back in like, starting in like 2009, 2010. And uh, that was because we uh, were serving on a church where we had to be perfect, which let me tell you, it's not possible. And, um, and then we had no friends that were married no friends with kids. We had no idea what we were doing. We're told that we have to be perfect. You're pastors, you don't have problems, and there's nobody doing life with us. So we didn't know. We didn't know what it looks like to have two kids. I was 23 years old and I already had two kids. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what it was like to have balance. I didn't know what it was like to hang out with other moms and encourage other moms. It is hard and we are not supposed to be doing this alone. And it is so important that you are connecting with people that are in the same stage of life as you because they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be there to help you when you are feeling overwhelmed and when you do need Jesus with skin and arms on, right? It's so important that we follow Jesus together. In Ecclesiastes 4 um, and verses 9 through 12, it says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up, but pity on the one who falls without another to help him. Again, if two lie down, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though many may be overpowered, two can resist. Moreover, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And we know that that third strand always is the Lord. When we have um, our relationship is Christ-centered, he's in every situation and he allows us to have the victory of that. I'm gonna take a sip of water real quick. Okay, sorry. I was singing and then I'm talking and my voice is like, wait. Okay, so let me tell you a tale of two paralyzed men. They're both in the Bible. Hopefully you've heard about them. So we see in John 5 that there is a story of a paralyzed man. How many of you guys have watched um, the Chosen series? Anybody? It's so good. We're behind. Um, our oldest son just started watching it without us. I found out and I was like, <laughs> rude. <laughs> we're supposed to, this is our family thing. Um, but we're, we're behind. We got, life got crazy and we were watching it together and we need to catch up. But um, we have gotten to this episode. I remember this was very cool. And, you know, there's been flack on it, like, oh, it's not 100% biblical, wah, wah, wah. Well, you know what? You read your Bible, you see if it submits, and then you just praise the Lord that people who have no experience with the Bible are getting exposed, okay? There we go. All right, so there is a pool. It's called the Pool of Bethesda. Not to be confused with Bathsheba's pool. This was not her pool, okay? <laughs> Different pool. Okay. So there was a pool at Bathsheba and it was said to be believed that an angel came down and stirred the waters. And whenever the waters were stirred, the first person who could get into the water would be healed. And there was a man 
And the word says this, he waited by the pool for 38 years. That is a long time. Some of you guys in this room are not even 38 years old. Your entire life, I'm 39 so I can say it. (laughs) Your whole life, this man was waiting to be healed. And can you imagine the devastation? He says in verse seven, Jesus asked him, do you wanna be well? And he said this in verse seven, he said, sir, started with honor, notice that. The invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am on my way, somebody goes before me. I don't know about y'all, 38 years is a long time. I hope you guys haven't been waiting on your miracle for 38 years. But what we see here is that other people had a friend there right by the water. And as soon as the water was stirred, they dipped him in there. But this man was paralyzed. He couldn't move. Even if he was as close to the water as he could be, somebody was gonna you know, catapult their friend into the water before he was, he could not get there. And so some of you might be feeling this way. You might be feeling that your prayers are going unanswered because you're seeing it happen for somebody else around you. And you're feeling like, I don't have anybody to get me there. These other people are getting my healing or my answered prayer because of the community or the availability that they have for somebody to help them. But it's important to see this, that Jesus met him where he was. Jesus didn't need the stirred water because he is the living water. And so it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what you're going through. We see that this man needed community and it probably would have helped him get his healing a lot faster, but we still see that Jesus healed him, amen? And then on the flip side, we see another paralytic man in Mark 2. And this man had four friends, say four friends. Now, let me tell you what, if you wanna be my friend, you go read this scripture. This is my audition list, okay, to be my friend. This man had four friends and there was one on every side of the mat. Look at that, he's covered on all sides. And it says that they didn't only carry him on the mat but they took him up onto the roof where Jesus was preaching because they couldn't get inside and they dug a hole in the roof. They dug a wall down to get their friend to Jesus. How many of you guys want some friends like that in your life that is gonna dig through walls, that is gonna get to that point where they're saying, nothing is gonna stop my friend from getting their healing. That's the kind of people that we need to be doing life with. Those are the people that are praying for us every night. Those are the people that are lifting us up when we're down. Those are the people that are saying, if you can't walk to Jesus, I'm gonna bring him to you. And so this man was healed. Also, Jesus healed everybody. We, we know that. But I wanna ask you this morning, who in your life is digging through barriers to help you get to Jesus when you can't do it on your own? If you cannot answer that question, even if it's one person, one's a great start. But if you cannot answer that question, it's time to make those relationships right now. Because something's coming, we know things are happening, something's coming and we need to have those relationships right now. Because when the water's stirred, we need to be right there. We need to be able to get our friends to Jesus, amen? And then we also see one more in uh, the Old Testament in Exodus in 17. And this story has always been really 
powerful to me and I can like see it. I don't know if any of you guys can like have a really good imagination. You can kind of close your eyes and have a little personal movie in your brain. Um, but this one has always been so powerful to me. And it was in a battle with the Amalekites. And Moses, um, I can't remember if the Lord told him. I, I can't remember. I think the Lord told him to keep his hands raised. But it said that Moses had his hands raised. And as long as his hands were raised, they were winning the war. But as soon as he started getting tired, because I don't know about y'all, holding your hands up for a long time is hard. Even if you're not holding anything, it starts, you know, gravity starts kicking in and your arms are getting lower and lower. And it says that as soon as Moses' arms couldn't take anymore and they started to drop, that they started to lose the battle. And it said here, Aaron and her, it was not a female, it was H-U-R, okay? Aaron and her, they came on either side of him and they held up his arms. And they held up his arms until the battle was over. And here's something that is so important to look at, okay? So Aaron comes and he's holding up the right arm. Her comes and he's holding up the left arm. Was I on the right side? No, I was on my side, not your side. Anyway, they're both holding up their arms, right? And so we think, wow, that made a difference in Moses' life that they were there to help him. But that's not where the story ends because it made a difference for everybody on the battlefield. Because if Aaron and Hur were not there to hold up Moses' arms, they would have lost the battle. They would, have, they would have succumbed to the Amalekites. It changed everybody's outcome because of what Aaron and Hur were willing to do. So I wanna remind you that your chaos, your battles that you are going through right now don't just affect you. It's gonna affect somebody else. Because if you are not ready, and if you're going through something and you're, and you're down in the dumps and you're depressed and you go to work and somebody comes and they've had the worst day of their life and they need somebody to encourage them, you're not gonna be ready to encourage them. If you go into a situation where you know, you're needed to be salt and light and you are struggling, you're not gonna be able to be that. And so it's important that we remember that when we are facing our chaos, that it's important, sorry, I just saw my daughter. (laughs) Anyway, those are windows. Okay, it's important to remember that whatever we're going through is gonna affect other people by how we handle our chaos. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't wanna miss an opportunity to bless somebody when God, gives me that opportunity. I wanna be there and I wanna be ready and I don't wanna be subject to the situation that I'm, that I'm going through. I wanna be able to speak life into every situation. So it's important to remember that that's why we're doing this together. That's why we're encouraging each other. That's why we're doing life together because we need each other for each other and we need each other for others, for the world. We're not gonna make as great of an impact if we're not um, actively Together, we're not gonna impact the world, right? The word says that they will know that we are Christians by our love, and that's not our love for the world. That's our love for each other, right? So it's a must that, as, um, that you as a Christian have people in your daily life that are also Christian, and they will be there for you in your hard seasons, and they will be there for you in your good seasons. Here at our church, we have seen so many amazing people lifting each other's hands up when they're in war. We've seen people uh, get each other, dig through the walls. We've seen all kinds of things, whether somebody's had a baby born and there's people are getting a meal train together or somebody's in the hospital and we're going to visit them and pray for them or somebody's in a car accident and we're trying to help out. We have seen in Overflow, this is happening. And that's why it is our core value, not because we want it to be, but because it's already happening and we're saying, yes, this is what we wanna keep up. So I wanna encourage you, 
This is just a little plug. If you're not in a group yet, get in a group. There's so many. They're all over the place. They meet on different days. They meet at different times. There's no excuse, okay? Okay. So just in wrapping up this series, um, I just wanna remind you guys that we are operating from a place of victory. It's who we are. It's what we have the ability to do. And we are not subjected to the chaos that's going around us. We are to rise above it. We are to plant our feet on the strong foundation of Jesus and that place of victory. And we're to speak to our situations as though they weren't until they are. We are to pray about our situations more than we think about our situations or worry about our situations. And we are supposed to step up to the plate to be there for others when they're down. And they're gonna be able to be there for us when we're down, amen? Ooh. Mm-hmm.